Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, we look at the French military intervention in Mali. Why did it happen? What's at stake? Joining me in the studio is William Wallace, our Africa editor. And on the line from Paris is Hugh Carnegie, our bureau chief there. And in the region, our correspondent, Zanne Rice. William, explain to us a bit about the situation in Mali. What is it that's driven the French to intervene? What are they trying to stop? Well, since early last year, when um, there was a coup in Mali, which precipitated uh, uh, territorial gains by Tuareg separatists and and, uh, Islamists, uh, a coalition of them, uh, about two-thirds of the territory of Mali has been controlled by, essentially, by these Islamists, a series of factions. And they were threatening to push south... Uh, last week. In fact, they were pushing south and threatening the capital, Bamako, which is what precipitated the French intervention. Presumably, this is a part of uh, French-speaking Africa, so they feel it's part of their zone of influence. There's also been talk, though, that this could be a kind of Afghanistan-style lawless zone, which would allow Mali to turn into a base for terrorist operations against the West. How realistic a fear was that, do you think? I think it was pretty realistic. I think it was already turning into a base for Islamists in the region. It was drawing in jihadists from beyond Africa, certainly from North Africa, but also from beyond. And it was serving as a rear base, for example, for extremists from Nigeria as well. Secondly, because it is a lawless zone, there was a lot of cocaine trafficking and other smuggling going through that area, providing some of these groups with uh, serious resources. And yet there was an effort uh, at the UN late last year to talk about having a regional intervention force, but that obviously has come to nothing, so the French have had to act. Well, even that uh, came after months of diplomatic wrangling. The UN Security Council did eventually endorse the idea of a regional intervention force, which would have involved several thousand troops from Nigeria and other countries in the region. But this wasn't going to be ready logistically until something like September. Okay, so Hugh, in Paris, the French have felt that they had to act. But is this a gamble for President Hollande, or does he feel in control of the situation? I think it is a pretty big gamble. For the time being, he has a strong political consensus in France behind him. And of course, France also has a strong political consensus behind it in Europe, in the United States. As William has mentioned, of course, there's the UN blessing for the initiative. And of course, the French were invited in by the Malians themselves. So for the moment, Hollande definitely has political cover. But of course, as with all these types of interventions, the risk is what happens down the line. If the French get sucked in and bogged down uh, and indeed start taking casualties, Casualties. And let's not forget there are seven French hostages being held in Malian territory by Islamist groups of one sort or another. If these hostages come under serious threat or worse, then opinion could start to change against Hollande. So for him, only eight months into his presidency, this is a pretty big step. He's being widely applauded for being bold and decisive and showing the statesmanlike qualities that many of his own supporters have been waiting for him to show. But I don't think there's any doubt that down the line, this could yet turn out to be a very big test for him indeed. So give us an idea of what the French strategy is. I mean, do they think they can get away without uh, actual fighting on the ground? 
Well, this is where all the uncertainty starts to creep in. The strategy, as laid out, is fairly clear, and it's in three stages. First, it's to stop the Islamist groups heading south and threatening the capital. The French have talked about the existence of the Malian state being at stake. So that's the first phase, is to get get uh, get forces in and stop that. The next phase is to uh, retake the northern part of the country that is under uh, rebel control, so to speak, uh, which in itself is a much more uh, long-term and difficult proposition because it's going to require the training of a West African force and the Malians themselves, of course, supported by the Europeans and the French in the lead. And that wasn't originally proposed to really start up until September. So that's going to have to be accelerated. And, and that's, that's the problem. And then beyond that, the French are saying that they're going to hang in there for the longer term to re-establish the institutions of the state in all of Mali, to re-establish the territorial integrity of Mali, and generally sort of put the country back together again, which is a pretty big commitment. So, Zan, a big commitment indeed from the region. How realistic do you think those plans sound? Well, initially, to, to contain the rebel advance, I think that is realistic, and that has happened to a large extent with the French airstrikes. I mean, it certainly seems like the French involvement is going to take some time because the rebel resistance so far has been pretty strong. They've managed to hold on to the town, a small town called Connor, which they took last Thursday, which led to the French intervention. They're still in control of that today, four or five days later. They also, on Monday, managed to take another town about 250 miles from Bamako called Diable, and are still occupying that too. So while they've suffered some losses from the airstrikes, undoubtedly, they are managing to hold ground and certainly the stage to recover the north could take a long time. And what's the attitude of the other countries in the region? Do they welcome a French intervention? It has been broadly welcomed, yes. To to my knowledge, nobody's come out and and said they think it's a bad thing. I mean, it must be remembered that the West African countries under the regional ECOWAS bloc were pushing for intervention long before Western countries actually got behind the idea. This was as, as far back as as April last year. But they they heavily reliant on Western help for financial help, as well as logistical help and training. You know, now that France has jumped in, it's it's accelerated this intervention, and um, several countries in the region have said they're going to send troops there on a sort of emergency basis before they can be coordinated into some sort of force. So there is broad support for the French intervention, I'd say. And and I I think most countries in the region realise that that with a threat in northern Mali is, is, a, is a regional threat. It's not just to Mali. So, William, uh, Zan mentions the regional threat. Can you just sketch that out a bit for us? I mean, what kind of spillover effects could Mali have if the Islamists were to to retain power, to spread a bit? Well, there's two aspects to that. One is the threat of Islamism and extremism spreading in the region. And because there's fairly serious evidence that the conflict in Mali has drawn in recruits from around the region, it spreads the whole sort of idea of of this sort of regional jihad. But also it was serving as a rear base for extremists from other countries like Nigeria, and at the same time providing a, a large territory through which cocaine and other contraband was trafficking. And and that was also sort of gradually eroding some of the other states in the region due to the sort of power of money then the resources that came through it. Zan, we mentioned there the threat to Nigeria, the country you're based in and the biggest country in the region. How worried are they by their own Islamic militancy at home and also by the threat of spillover from Mali? Well, they're certainly very, very worried at home um, by, the, by the insurgency by a group called Boko Haram, which has been going on for 
a couple of years now, and you know the suicide bombings are have become a, a routine occurrence in Nigeria. So the government is certainly very worried about that. As far as the spillover from Mali, I'm not sure there's a feeling that it's about to have a direct effect very soon, but there is certainly concern because there have been reports that some Boko Haram insurgents have travelled to northern Mali. And I think that concern is reflected in the fact that Nigeria has taken the lead in promising to send troops to Mali. They're going to have the most troops they've promised to send, 900 soldiers, within a week to Mali, and they're expected to lead the West African force. So there there certainly is concern here. Hugh, I mean, we we talked about this primarily in terms of quite a contemporary concern about Islamist militancy. But of course, this was uh, part of uh, la francophonie. France has traditionally felt that this was one of its primary spheres of influence in the world. Is that still a driving force for French actions, or have they perhaps had their fingers burnt in recent years in Africa? One thinks of Rwanda, Ivory Coast, and so on. I mean, is it, how do the French feel about being back in full force in Africa? Are they pleased, or are they uh, rather wary? I think they're definitely rather wary. One of the ironies of this intervention is that President Hollande had been pursuing a policy at odds with the sort of traditional post-colonial Franc-Afrique policy, which was this rather cozy and often corrupt uh, set of relationships with West African uh, Francophone countries. He was trying to mark a change with that, which is one of the reasons why he wanted to have a kind of American-style lead from behind in Mali originally, but has been precipitated by what happened last week with the rebel advance. So, Hollande's government now finds itself in a position where it is very proactively operating militarily. And just to pick up a point from earlier, there are French troops on the ground right now involved in the operation in a way that they definitely wouldn't have sought to do had circumstances not forced them. The direction of French policy was to try to have a more balanced and circumspect policy that was less prone to being regarded by countries like Algeria, for example, which is very important in this equation, regarded by Algeria with suspicion. Uh, and now it finds itself, as I say, at the sharp end of a, of a military intervention in a former colony with a very uncertain outcome. And that, for sure, causes uh, a considerable amount of uh, concern here in Paris. OK, Hugh, well, you say a very uncertain outcome. Just to wind up, can I ask you all perhaps a very unfair question, but in a couple of sentences, what do you think is likely to, to happen over the next six months? And if that's too unpredictable to say, what should we be looking out uh, over the next six months uh, in, over the course of this intervention? Zan? Well, I, I think we, we're going to see quite a bit of, of, of fighting over the next six months, and I, I don't think we're going to see the, the Islamist uh, groups ejected from Mali. So I think we'll, we'll see the, their capacity weakened, but I think the likelihood of some sort of guerrilla conflict, I think there's a strong possibility of that. So, Hugh, a prediction there, the French are in for quite a long time into a long-term guerrilla conflict. Is that how you, you see it? There's certainly a real prospect of that. I think the French have committed to stay there as long as it takes. Uh, And their huge concern now is to try and knock this West African stroke Malian military force into some sort of shape quickly, much more quickly than they'd originally intended, and get them up uh, into the north and able to fight. But I think that sort of next phase of the three-pronged French strategy is going to be very, very difficult. And William, how do you see it? Well, I think it's the nature of the terrain. It's a huge mass of desert and mountain, which which lends itself to insurgency. Also, I think, as we've seen already, some of the Islamists are withdrawing into the population, which makes it makes them a very difficult enemy to fight. OK, William Wallace in London, thanks very much. Thanks also to Zan Rice in the region and to Hugh Carnegie in Paris. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.